Welcome to A Spin on Offshore Wind, the podcast brought to you by Energy Coast, Northeast England's offshore wind cluster. I'm Caroline Lofthouse, bringing you industry insights, project updates and news from the UK's leading region for offshore wind and further afield. Don't forget to subscribe so each episode drops into your chosen podcast app or find it on energycoast.co.uk. For this episode, we're looking beyond our own shores to discuss how the UK supply chain has established itself as part of the global market, the geographies in which it presents the role for Northeast in exporting our expertise. Joining me to discuss all of this is Alan Loudon, OBE. Alan is a board member of NOF, the business development organisation that runs Energy Coast and is also Director of Strategic Development for the National Offshore Wind Institute in Massachusetts and Professor in Practice and Chair of the Advisory Board within Durham Energy Institute at Durham University. Alan, I thought we would start off with a bit of a history lesson. Has the UK always been an active exporter in the energy sector and how has that evolved um, to support the UK, the offshore wind sector? Yeah, oh yes. I mean, this is a story in its own right. We've got um, lots of examples historically of the, the UK's influence on the energy uh, industry worldwide. I mean, regionally, I mean, I had the privilege of being being brought up in the NAI Parsons system who provided steam turbines to most of the the developing and developed world, which was fantastic. Then we had Merton McClellan, consulting engineers to most of the electrical transportation systems around the world. British gas research and technology, there's not a pipe which is in the ground internationally, which hasn't probably had some kind of British gas influence on it. Um, and that's both for hydrocarbons and but more recently things like hydrogen. Um, and that was also transferred into the water sector, which is which has gone worldwide as well. So there's lots of examples. Teesside, you know, with its uh, its focus on on hydrogen um, historically, and now that's very relevant to the to the net zero challenges that the global energy markets face today. But the I think the big thing about this is that the UK has really supported the technology base of the international energy sector um, for oh, probably over 100 years now. Um, so the likes of the Northeast region has uh, been able to to support the oil and gas industry in Aberdeen significantly, and that's put it in a fantastic position to be able to take those products and services and adapt them for offshore wind, because there's huge relevance to to the offshore wind sector of uh, of a sector which has really got to grips with managing the ocean environment. So I think that's probably you know we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? But there's, um, there's, there's, those are the sort of headline things. But I think one of the big things to remember is that the world has really benefited from the UK's consulting expertise in offshore wind. So the likes of um, Mott McDonald, um, um, SKM before it became GHD, and even now GHD and is doing a fantastic job. Atkins, um, Halcro, all of these big names, big brands, which have adapted their traditional energy uh, influence and traditional energy uh, services to to those of offshore wind um, and have done extremely well from an exporting point of view. Like so lots, lots to talk about, but um, 
those that's the stuff off the top of my head yeah like you say lots and lots of um fantastic examples from the uk supply chain and the northeast england supply chain as well and what you were just sort of saying there so why do you think international projects and international markets come to the uk for our you know advice and guidance on our skills innovations products and services what's your kind of thoughts in that area well i think the first thing they come for is 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 track record um and it's uh, almost a catch-22 you have to get good projects to deliver good services but the uk has got those in abundance there's a huge portfolio you know a track record of of international projects and that means a lot because People like to see live examples of things going well, and the UK has got lots of them. So I think that's the first thing. Um, adherence to quality and standards as well. I think that's something which the UK is internationally recognised for. UK standards. I mean, clearly we, we're moving back to more towards the British standards and the kite mark associated with that since we've left the European Union. But notwithstanding that, ISO 9000 and its all, all its variants. We, we adhere to those like no other nation. And I think that really does capture the attention of people who are looking to procure. And, and also trust. Uh, there is something about the UK trusted um, service provision and product provision which, which endures. And I think uh, those are the three main factors for me as to why the international stage looks to the UK for, for that assistance. Yeah, I'd agree. When I've been um, traveling internationally uh, previously, quality, health and safety um, are definitely yep. high on um, the priorities yep. uh, for overseas markets looking to us. Um, and in terms yep. of sort of um, which countries the UK supply chain and particularly Northeast England, thinking about sort of the energy coast cluster in our region, um, which um, sort of markets has um, have those companies been active in sort of since the inception of the offshore wind industry? Yeah, I think we, we, we certainly got got the grips with it. And I was involved in the project which brought the Blythe Offshore Demonstrator to, to, to life um, over 10 years ago. And that is extremely important because the UK and the regional supply chain was able to cut its teeth on a, on a really important project from a, from a UK um, point of view. Um, but also the, the supply chain and all of the types of organizations I mentioned earlier, consulting to the analytics, through to fabrication, they've all had an opportunity regionally to support the likes of the, the early stage um, Dutch offshore wind industry, the Belgian offshore wind industry, um, obviously, I mentioned the Blythe Offshore Demonstrator, which was really a fantastic thing to do regionally, but also all of the projects which are off the East Coast and the ones off the West Coast and the South Coast of the UK as well, have all benefited in some way, shape or form from an indigenous supply chain, much of which is rooted in, in the Northeast. So, you know, you're thinking of the likes of um, Enshore, Osbit, JDR and Cathy in particular. Cathy have done a lot of the, the upstream permitting type analyses for, for lots of these wind farms around the UK. So it's um, it's rich and varied, but the, the offshore wind value chain attracts and supports lots of Northeast industry um, elements, which many of whom are in the, obviously in the energy coast cluster. Yeah, and I think it's definitely worth shouting about that um, Blythe Demonstrator project, because it really was the first UK offshore wind farm, and that's where it you know, our industry, um, our first experience came from right here in the region. Yeah, and I think you know, the other thing to, to think about when we talk about this is that we've got the innovation side of it as well. And the 
um, the collaborative R&D agreements that were in place between the, the predecessor to the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult and NAREC, National Renewable Energy Centre, and its equivalent in the United States, NREL, National Renewable Energy Lab, were really significant in the technology transfer, the personnel transfer, which went into, into that relationship. We were very formative, very formative indeed. Excellent. And what kind of sort of thinking about sort of international markets? Um, I know that you are very active overseas and internationally minded, Alan. What are the kind of, in your opinion, what are the hot markets now and in, in the future for um, the offshore wind sector? Yeah, well, the, 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 the hot markets, clearly the, the UK is still very hot and other parts of Europe are getting hotter as well. I mean, yeah, Poland is, is coming along, Lithuania is starting to think about its offshore wind industry, France is moving, and so on and so forth. But I, I do think the, um, the, the, the hottest market is the United States as it stands because it's reasonably close. It's manageable from the UK and it's also there's a cultural fit, which I think is very important. Notwithstanding that, we still have the, the, the burgeoning markets in deeper waters in, in uh, Japan. Uh, Taiwan, South Korea, all are taking offshore wind very seriously, and that's also extending further down into the uh, into the Brazilian waters. And Argentina and Uruguay are also taking things considerably more seriously than they were. But I do think, in terms of supply chain ability to service the market, the United States continues to be my my favourite, and also the one which I think a lot of UK companies are attracted to. Yeah, definitely agree. And you were recently in the US um, for the International Partnering Forum, IPF's event um, in Atlantic City, which I joined too, and I was actually there with you. Um, so we'll focus a little bit on the US market because you've just mentioned what a, an absolute um, fantastic opportunity that is for the, the UK supply chain. Um, what's your kind of sort of what's happening out there? Why should the supply chain in terms of projects, opportunities why should the UK supply chain really think about the US market? I think the big thing, and certainly the shift that, that, that I've seen, Caroline, over the last 18 months is the change of administration, federal administration, with the arrival of the Biden administration. That's really unleashed the offshore wind market. And what it's done is taken the shackles off the, 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 um, the, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, which is the body which permits the ocean. So I think that's a massive, massive thing to take seriously because prior to that, it was very well, more fragmented on a state-by-state -state basis without the, the unwavering support of BOEM. Now that's in place. So that's a big you know, tick in the box. So that's a, the first factor. I would also say that overall, there is a strong intent along the east, eastern seaboard and also on the west coast to achieve net zero by 2050. And that is also driving a lot of policy at state level and uh, interventions, which actually are freeing up cash for this to happen. So that's that, that's fantastically good good news uh, for everybody involved in the in the offshore wind supply chain who are looking to service that market. Um, also, there's this big push for towards training and workforce development. So we have the opportunity to transfer skills and experiences. Um, I'm personally involved in set, helping set up the, the National Offshore Wind Institute in New Bedford, Massachusetts, which looks to train the next generation of, uh, of technical uh, workforce 
uh, components and also to do other things which are a bit further down the line. But nevertheless, the, the idea is to bring people through to give them meaningful and very, um, a very productive careers in the offshore wind sector through indigenous workforce development. So in the throw, in the run up to the indigenous position being established, then you need to ship in labor to and ship in products and services to help help out. And we were working with Northeast companies, one being Merce Training, to bring this facility to life. Um, so I think that workforce development aspect is really important. So think about the the skills and attributes that you've got and how you can help shape that market. We also um, have a, a, a lot of stuff on the um, the technology and innovation side. So there's university engagement, there's um, national laboratory engagement, which is happening now, which the um, you can take advantage of by being a supporter of those types of projects. So you can endorse you know, a, a research project in the UK and US, which will give you visibility on the market in which you're potentially looking to, to, you know, to enter. But the big thing I think for, for me about this, the US market is having physical presence. So it's, it's important to show up at events. It's important to, to have a um, in time when, they, when it's justifiable. And that's a, often a, a moot point because some people don't know when it's justifiable or not, is to set up a US office. A U.S. entity, because that's the way that people take you seriously is having a physical presence and, a, and being able to, you know, to to show up at the particular events, which are going to court favor and are going to establish your brand and all of that trust and stuff we mentioned before is going to be forthcoming as a result. But um, I think you know it's a it's a fantastic market. The U.S. is a lot of money, and when the U.S. decides to do something, it does it, and the flow of capital will underpin that. Yeah, I would totally agree. I was um, on the visit recently that I undertook. Um, I was very excited by the options and the opportunities um, that UK companies, um, you know, can can take to the market. And there was certainly a very openness um, between the US companies wanting um, to to have those transferable skills and those learnings from the UK, which is a tried and tested market, um, to take those. Um, that information and that um, sort of um, those, those skill sets and those innovations overseas, Alan. Yep, definitely agree yeah, with that. And, and it's you know, it uh, don't hide under a bushel either. You know, the the, the U.S. is a very is, is a very positive in your face type market, and you have to your behaviours have to reflect that. So you know, don't be shy, don't be retiring. Just say it as it is, and you'll get more respect from the U.S. Uh, your U.S. counterparts, and you will if you try to be very polite and very uh, guarded. So just be try to be as American as you can. Excellent advice, Alan. Thank you for that. I'm delighted to be joined by John Price, JDR Cable Systems, who was recently in the U.S. at IPF, a major offshore wind event held in Atlantic City. It was lovely to see you there, John, and um, I hope you had a, a safe journey and um, great journey back. So, John, yes, thank you. John, do you want to quickly introduce yourself, please, and your role? Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Um, as I said, my name's John Price. I'm the uh, Global Sales Director for Renewable Energy within JDR Cable Systems, um, responsible for all pre-order activity for offshore wind, floating wind, uh, and, and wave and tidal, for that matter, as well. Excellent. Thanks, John. And... IPF, if we talk a little bit about IPF, um, could yeah. you tell us a little bit about the event and sort of, you know, the purpose of the event? Yeah, I mean, 
for me, the purpose of the event is 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 almost what it what it says on on the tin in terms of the the, the, the name of the show. It, it's enabling like-minded companies, like-minded individuals to to meet and partner up to to develop uh, the, the the growing demands of offshore wind in the USA uh, and an IPF. But it's very much that the whole event is around meeting and networking and understanding the needs for the market as it goes forward. Yeah, as the International Partnering Forum. Yep. Excellent, yeah. John. That was great. Thank you. And why was JDR? Um, I know that you had a, a fantastic exhibition stand because I saw it. Um, why were JDR exhibiting at that event? Uh, we think it's it's key for us to, to uh, make, make ourselves known to the industry. And, and having a, an exhibition booth to allow people to come meet with us, talk and, and discuss what we do and, and show our products to them is, is vital for, for, for us to uh, get more established in the USA. And are you already active in the US, John? Uh, we are, yes. Uh, we, we were fortunate enough uh, about a year or so ago to, to secure the, uh, the inter-array cables for, uh, via Yandernal uh, in Belgium for the uh, Vineyard One uh, offshore wind project for Vineyard Wind. Uh, which are due to be manufactured for our factory shortly. Uh, but on top of that, we also secured the terminating and testing scope for the offshore technicians, which we're looking to partner local uh, local uh, unionized labor bodies to, to provide that local content element to, to the project. Brilliant, John. Um, and I know that you're very active in um, other sort of um, global markets as well. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about the other markets where JDR are active? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, for us, obviously, we, we, we're UK based, as, as, as everyone knows. We're, we're northeast based, which uh, we think is vital for, for what we want to do. Um, we are currently the only UK supplier of, of, of offshore wind power cables to, to the market from the UK. So UK for us is a very dominant market, but, but wider European market also. Um, we have established uh, project requirements in floating wind in in around the, the Mediterranean and, and the, uh, the the Portugal area. But likewise, we're also delivering projects as far away as, as Asia, into Taiwan, for instance, uh, which we've recently done a couple of projects out there. So for us, it, it very much is now a global market. And we're now looking at where the next requirements are. Is it, is it, is it going to be more more requirements in Asia? Or is it going to be the west coast of USA? You know, we, we're not not looking at to being based in one location or one geographical region for offshore wind we're looking to, to, to make it a truly global business for us i like that phrase um truly global um in terms of sort of um energy coast as well i just wanted to kind of talk about you're an active participant of energy coast mm-hmm. as northeast england's offshore wind cluster do you want to talk a little bit about energy coast uh, for us it, it's energy coast is, is, a, is a vital cog in the wheel if you like it's uh, it allows the the, the, the the industry because the northeast for us in the UK is very much the dominant region for the, the industry for offshore wind uh, to get together um, uh, understand the challenges that, that people are facing um, share ideas share technologies and, and for us to have that ability to, to bring, come together and, and the energy coast allows that to happen is, is key you know otherwise we'd all be running around uh, doing things in isolation and that's not good for anybody so Oh, that's great! And you touched on a put, sort of northeast England supply chain there. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think um, the UK supply chain, and in particular northeast England, um, the northeast England cluster, has had such a positive reputation 
around the yeah. world. What's your kind of thoughts on that? Well, for us, it's 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 simple. It's had a a, a long historical track record of doing exactly that for for various markets as, as they've grown and evolved in in the world. Yeah, and that that skill base is still there. The the the, the, the companies involved are still very much in, in the region still, uh, and we see it as the as the logical hub of of, the, of technology for for offshore wind. Brilliant, thanks. And if you had to give some tips, because you're very um, internationally minded, truly global company, and I know you've got a lot of personal experience in international markets, what would be your kind of tips for UK suppliers, uh, regional suppliers to internationalise? Um, do your homework. So do a lot of research, understand where, where your niche could be uh, and understand also understand where you, you fit in the hierarchy. Of, of the supply chain, and 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 present yourself in that way. Don't try to to, to present yourself to to developers if you're a tier two or tier three. Um, but to me, it's doing that research, doing that homework, understanding what, what yeah, because you know, it could be a company says actually US isn't for them. It, it's another market, but just truly understand that 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 requirement and that niche where you can you can make a difference. Back to Alan. For any companies that might be thinking that haven't, they're not in exporting yet, but are thinking about taking those first steps, um, what kind of um, advice and guidance would you give those companies? Not just for the US, or you can focus on the US if you'd prefer. Yeah, good question, Caroline. Um, I, I think I was once given a bit of a bit of advice many years ago by at a conference. By I, I turned around and I asked this very a very polished um, um, lady on a panel with me. I said, so what's the secret of your success? And she, and she was an American. She said, I just show up. And she said, you may not feel like showing up. You may have a bad day and you don't want to go to an event, but you put your name down, just show up. She says, because if you don't show up, those m- moments of serendipity just don't happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great advice. So, you know, I know, certain things that cut into one's life, which mean you have to change at the 11th hour. But fundamentally, it's if you, if you sign up, show up. That's the first thing. And I think also just having a bit of structure to the way that you are viewing a, an export market, be it the US or be it wherever, you know, targeting the relevant conferences. And I know some of these things aren't cheap anymore. The majority aren't cheap. People are scrambling to make up for the last two years. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's an investment worth making if you make it work for yourself. So targeting the right conferences, you mentioned the IPF, the International Partnering Forum for Offshore Wind in the States, that's a great one. But there's a whole plethora of other ones in terms of the offshore wind markets or whatever market you're looking at. So have a targeted campaign for a presence, a physical presence. We can do it again now, which is great, at these events, uh, Europe-wide, US-wide or globally. Um, and also, you know, tapping to the, the resources which are available on one's doorstep with the, the Department of International Trade and their export teams and their subject matter exports, their international trade advisors. They've got a lot of a lot of knowledge, a lot of wealth of experience. They may not be technically expert in their in the domain that you're 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 active in, but they will find somebody who can who can assist. So the, the Northern Powerhouse has got a bit of, very good bit of momentum now behind it. And um, you know that's um, that's starting to to manifest itself as 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 you and I saw recently in the in, in the export um, visit to the United States. Um, the other thing I would say is that you know read around the the, the industry, read around what's happening, um, 
in the in the in the case of the United States, you see, there's two major activities going on in the in the region that I'm active in, which is vineyard wind and Mayflower wind. Now, if you don't understand what they're doing, how can you enter their supply chain and, and, and alleviate some pain points for them? So understand their position, understand the the trials and tribulations that they're likely to to be experiencing and bringing new wind farms to life, for example, but also just liaise, just set up a rapport, and you do that mainly by showing up. Um, and the other thing I think is really relevant is leveraging existing um, relationships in other parts of the energy space. So you may be active in oil and gas, or you may be active in solar power, or whatever you're, whatever you're active in, hydropower, whatever it is. But you're in the energy game. And if you're in the energy game, you know energy. Yeah. And you just because it's a different technology class doesn't mean that you can't adapt your thinking towards that. So I think you know, be very open-minded, be very uh, cognizant of the, um, the, the commonality across the energy industry. And, and, and think out of the box a little bit as to how you can take your services and make them work for, for say, offshore wind, if that's the, the target market you want to go into. And increasingly, what we're seeing, and, and we'll see a lot more of this, in my opinion, is the transfer of technology, skills, know-how from other safety-critical industries. So that's you know um, nuclear, automotive, uh, aerospace, into other parts of the energy space where offshore wind or or some so uh, nuclear or whatever it is get, just getting this flow of, of, of technology and understanding and, and, and insights and experience going and finally on the offshore wind thing i think um you know anybody could do worse than signing up for the nof offshore wind database because the amount of information on there is just mind-boggling and it's such a it's such a resource for people to to really cut the teeth on if they're going into that particular technology class, that operational area of the energy sector, um, it's worth it's worth the investment and it, it, it really does bring you up the learning curve quickly. Thanks for your time and insights, Alan. And also thanks to John Price from JDR Cable Systems. I'm sure we'll be speaking to other companies involved in exporting globally in the future in future episodes of the podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to A Spin on Offshore Wind on all good podcast platforms or find it on energycoast.co.uk, that's E-N-E-R-G-I, coast, all one word, .co.uk. Join us next time for A Spin on Offshore Wind.